Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. This is Matthew's gospel, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses's seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But they are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father and the one, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah." The greatest among you will be your servant, and all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our text this morning, um, the followers of Jesus are um, instructed to follow what the Jewish leaders teach, but don't do what the Jewish leaders do because the Jewish leaders don't do what they teach. Jesus would surely say the same thing about whatever religious authority ruled the day. If it were Presbyterians, Jesus would say, those Presbyterians have a pretty good book of confession, but but don't do what they do. He would say that about the Methodists and the the Roman Catholics or, or whoever. Their teaching is okay, but they themselves do not follow what they say, so don't you follow them. And of course, this bears witness to the fact that it's easier to teach, it's easier to preach than it is to live and to do and to embody the word that's taught, right? So Jesus says, beware of what they do because they're broken, they don't follow the law they teach fully, Um, they all stand in need of God's grace, as do you. In other words, live the justice your teachers talk about, walk the walk, Jesus reminds his followers that he, Jesus, alone sets the perfect example. I am your rabbi, God is your parent, and this is what discipleship will look like, he says. And notice how he describes this picture. The greatest among you will be the least. Those who exalt themselves 
will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. In the kingdom of God, there's a great upside-down idea of what, what justice looks like, what, what wholeness and what family looks like. Serve and love one another. This morning, we're going to share the words of the Belhar Confession with you, and, and it's a lot. It's a heavy document. It helps to see it on the page, to see how it's laid out. It's helpful to see the scriptural references side by side with the document. So I hope these words will wash over you and that you'll pick some up, that you'll, you'll be, um, get an idea, you'll be oriented to what this confession is about, and that you'll want to read the whole thing yourself. You can look it up online, the Belhar, B-E-L-H-A-R, the Belhar Confession. It was written in September 1986, and it came out of South Africa. The Dutch Reformed Mission Church of South Africa wrote this during the days of apartheid, and it's meant to shine a light on Jesus. The South African church, they believed, the South African people, the South African government was mired in darkness. The nation, her people, and the church had gone astray, had gone astray by conforming to and justifying the oppressive laws of apartheid, a system of laws designed to separate people by race. Very explicit and clear laws about skin color and various tonal differences. These laws had roots that went back centuries uh, in, uh, in South Africa, but that had been codified and were part of the laws of apartheid uh, since 1948. It appeared at that time in 19, the, the mid and early 1980s that these laws might rule forever. But the Dutch Reformed Mission Church of South Africa said, no, enough is enough. They asked simple questions. Who is our Lord? And what does our Lord lead us to believe? And when our unity as the body of Christ is threatened, how are we called to be reconciled to one another? Should laws created by humankind and designed to rank and separate people by the color of their skin, should these laws be allowed to stand? They were asking questions that the white and the black and the colored and all in South Africa had been asking, but they were bold enough to put it on paper. The Dutch Reformed Mission Church of South Africa was part of the larger Dutch Reformed Church. The Mission Church was founded and established for colored people, not for white people. It was um, biracial people were welcomed and color, colored people were welcome in the Mission Church. It was this mission church that believed the church had a voice and they believed the church must use its voice. And their voice came out in this uh, scriptural, Bible-based, thoughtful roar called the Belhar Confession. The document, this document helped dismantle a system of racist laws that some feared would last forever. Thank God these laws did not. The Confession of Belhar was added to the Confession of the Presbyterian Church USA in 2016. Why would a document coming out of South Africa be of use to uh, a Western, uh, an American uh, denomination? Well, our church's 222nd General Assembly hoped that Belhar's themes of unity and reconciliation and justice 
might help um, our congregations and our denominations speak and act with clarity at a time when it faces continually divisions of all sorts, divisions founded in racism, injustice, etc. While this document originates from a specific context, apartheid, in a specific place, South Africa, from a specific people, the Dutch Reformed Mission Church of South Africa. It speaks powerfully about injustice everywhere. Listen to these words and see if they don't apply for, for, for situations of injustice everywhere. Our Cuba study, we're working hard thinking about the history of Cuba. These words will ring true and be meaningful to that group. So these words speak about injustice everywhere in Cuba, in Russia, in the Middle East, in the Congo, in the South Sudan, in Champaign, in Urbana, in Rantoul, in Chicago, in Detroit, in the streets of Fifth Avenue, in Agua Prieta, and on the roads, and in the places, and among the tribes and peoples everywhere. There is something defined and limited and specific about this confession, but there's something classic and broad and timeless about it as well. What do we believe? What do we reject? Who is our Lord? Our sermon today is the reading of this Belhar Confession. And we give thanks on this All Saints Sunday for the saints who risked their lives to have these conventions, to have these conversations, and who dared to write it down and share it in the public marketplace, not just the sanctuaries of the churches. We give thanks to those who risked so much. We give thanks for all the saints around the world who are encouraged and challenged still by these words. And may we be challenged, encouraged, and inspired as well. Joe and Rachel will help me to preach. Let us pray. Holy God, help us to see your son Jesus the Christ and help us to follow him. Help us to live the justice he talked about. Help us to live the justice he lived. Reconcile us to each other and guide our steps, O God. For we ask it in Christ's name and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. The Confession of Belhar, September 1986. We, we believe, believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who gathers, protects, and cares for the church through word and spirit. This God has done since the beginning of the world and will do to the end. We, we believe, believe in one holy universal Christian church, the communion of saints called from the entire human family. We, we believe, believe that Christ's work of reconciliation is made manifest in the church as the community of believers who have been reconciled with God and with one another. We believe, we believe that unity is, therefore, both a gift and an obligation for the church of Jesus Christ, that through the working of God's Spirit, it is a binding force, yet simultaneously a reality which must be earnestly pursued and sought, one which the people of God must continually be built up to attain. We, we believe that this unity must become visible so that the world may believe that separation, enmity, and hatred between people and groups is sin, which Christ has already conquered, 
and accordingly that anything which threatens this unity may have no place in the church and must be resisted. We, we believe, believe that this unity of the people of God must be manifested and be active in a variety of ways. In that we love one another. That we experience, practice, and pursue community with one another. That we are obligated to give ourselves willingly and joyfully to be of benefit and blessing to one another. That we share one faith, have one calling, are of one soul and one mind. Have one God and Father, are filled with one spirit, are baptized with one baptism, eat of one bread, and drink of one cup. Confess one name, are obedient to one Lord, work for one cause, and share one hope. Together come to know the height and the breadth and the depth of the love of Christ. Together are built up to the stature of Christ, to the new humanity. Together know and bear one another's burdens, thereby fulfilling the law of Christ. That we need one another and upbuild one another, admonishing and comforting one another. That we suffer with one another for the sake of righteousness. Pray together, together serve God in this world, and together fight against all which may threaten or hinder this unity. We, we believe, believe that this unity can be established only in freedom and not under constraint. That the variety of spiritual gifts, opportunities, backgrounds, convictions, as well as the various language and cultures are by virtue of the reconciliation in Christ opportunities for mutual service and enrichment within the one visible people of God. We, we believe, believe that, that true faith in Jesus Christ, Christ is the, the only condition for membership in this church. Therefore, we reject any doctrine which absolutizes either natural diversity or the sinful separation of people in such a way that this absolutization hinders or breaks the visible and active unity of the church or even leads to the establishment of a separate church formation. We reject any doctrine which professes that this spiritual unity is truly being maintained in the bond of peace while believers of the same confession are in effect alienated from one another. From one another for the sake of diversity and despair of reconciliation. We reject any doctrine which denies that a refusal earnestly to pursue this visible unity as a priceless gift is sin. We reject any doctrine which explicitly or implicitly maintains that dissent or any other human or social factor should be a consideration in determining membership of the church. We, we believe, believe that God has entrusted the church with the message of reconciliation in and through Jesus Christ. We believe that the church is called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, that the church is called blessed because it is a peacemaker, that the church is witness both by word and by deed to the new heaven and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. We believe that God's life-giving word and spirit has conquered the powers of sin and death and therefore also of irreconciliation and hatred bitterness and enmity, that God's life-giving word and spirit will enable the church to live in a new obedience, which can open new possibilities of life for society and the world. 
We believe that the credibility of this message is seriously affected and its beneficial work obstructed when it is proclaimed in a land which professes to be Christian, but in which the enforced separation of people on a racial basis promotes and perpetuates alienation, hatred, and enmity. We believe that any teaching which attempts to legitimate such forced separation by appeal to the gospel and is not prepared to venture on the road of obedience and reconciliation, but rather out of prejudice, fear, selfishness, and unbelief, denies in advance the reconciling power of the gospel, must be considered ideology and false doctrine. Therefore, we reject any doctrine which, in such a situation, sanctions in the name of the gospel or of the will of God the forced separation of people on the grounds of race and color and thereby in advance obstructs and weakens the ministry and experience of reconciliation in Christ. We believe that God has revealed God's self as the one who wishes to bring about justice and true peace among people. We believe that God in a world full of injustice and enmity is in a special way the God of the destitute, the poor, and the wronged. We believe that God calls the church to follow God in this, for God brings justice to the oppressed and gives bread to the hungry. We believe that God frees the prisoner and restores sight to the blind. We believe that God supports the downtrodden, protects the stranger, helps orphans and widows, and blocks the path of the ungodly. We believe that for God, pure and undefiled religion is to visit the orphans and the widows in their suffering. We believe that God wishes to teach the church to do what is good and to seek the right. We believe that the church must therefore stand by people in any form of suffering and need, which implies, among other things, that the church must witness against and strive against any form of injustice so that justice may roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We believe that the church as the possession of God must stand where the Lord stands, namely against injustice and with the wronged. We believe that in following Christ, the church must witness against all the powerful and privileged who seek selfishly seek their own interests and thus control and harm others. Therefore, we reject any ideology which would legitimate forms of injustice and any doctrine which is unwilling to resist such an ideology in the name of the gospel. We believe that in obedience to Jesus Christ, its only head, the church is called to confess and to do all these things, even though the authorities and human laws might forbid them and punishment and suffering be the consequence. Jesus Jesus is is Lord. To the one and only God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week. Thank you.